All right, let's do this. Peanut, if you're staying in the room, no talking. Welcome to the PhotoWork Podcast, the talky and touchy-feely version of my book, PhotoWork, 40 Photographers on Process and Practice. I'm Sasha Wolf, joined as usual by my friend and producer, the Benedict to my Beatrice. (laughs) (laughs) Are you with me? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, Shakespearean characters, they have their uh <laughs> they have their ups and downs. <laughs> Listen, this is an iconic relationship. That's right. Um all right. I can't everyone. wait to tell my wife that I've sworn off uh you know, love and marriage and <laughs> Well, you haven't sworn off love bachelor. and marriage. You've sworn oh, off a committed bachelor, yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is another look it up moment. For people. <laughs> um, <laughs> by the way, there's another look it up moment, I think, in the conversation from this week, which we'll get to in a second, because <laughs> how about the fact that I drop in two 70s disaster movies? Oh, yes. I think for everyone who hasn't seen The Poseidon Adventure mm-hmm. and or The Towering Inferno, you must. I mean, just do it. <laughs> In fact, you could do it and then come back and listen to the episode. Right. And then there were all those um, those uh, airport disaster movies, too, I think, around the same time, weren't there? Yeah, wait, which what what were those? Weren't there was like Airport 77 yes, and Airport yes, 78? Yes, and, yes, 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 yes. Oh, my God, of course, <laughs> yes. We were just so into uh, cataclysmic uh, yeah, Those were so bizarre, movies. yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing that they cracked were. me up, I say this in the episode, but the thing that cracked me up is like the just sheer number of bizarro cameos in those movies. Yes. Like, oh, yes. Like all of a sudden, Shelley Winters would, I don't know, it was just people probably right. don't even Ernest know Borgnine, is, but, right, Ernest Borgnine, Shelley Winters, right. <laughs> <laughs> they, they'd show up in all these movies. That was so weird. You were like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> And sometimes they'd like have a few lines and that it was like they just yeah. tried to these must have been like package deals with some stuff. Oh yeah, then they'd something. go off and do uh, the love boat and fantasy. Right, exactly. Island and, yeah. Right. Oh my god. <laughs> Holy cow. The seventies. Yes. <laughs> Couldn't live with them. Couldn't live without them. Had to live through them. Um, okay, moving right along. So we have a Really wonderful episode today, and I'm going to just some uh, notes here. I talked to this year's winner of the Aperture Portfolio Prize, Donovan Smallwood, and I just want to mention, because we don't say it in the show, that the book of the body of work, Langer, that won the Portfolio Prize, is being published, I think, this August, in a few days, by Trespasser Books, which is Brian Scutmott and uh, Matthew Genetempo's um, imprint. They're publishing. Publishing company feels a little much. But anyway, it's there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're publishing the book, so look for that. Also that on August 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 
Brian and Donovan are going to be in conversation, um, being hosted by Aperture. And I right. think that's going to be really fun. I will definitely be tuning into that. So is it going to be a remote? Yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't everything oh, okay. still remote, basically? I guess so, especially now, actually. I'm going to, tomorrow night is the, so you and I are recording on the 27th of July, and tomorrow night, the 28th, is the closing party for the ICP show, and that's going to be the first strike event I've been to in... Oh, wow. ...since the plague. Mm-hmm. And... Definitely, like, feel some trepidation, not because I'm scared of getting sick, but just because I haven't been in a situation, you know, I haven't been in that sort of a social situation in so long. So a little bit of anxiety, mm-hmm. but I will um, have a quick cocktail and get past it. Um, <laughs> so uh, did you enjoy the episode? I did. You know, Donovan had um, an interesting uh, entree into photography it was this uh connection between archaeology and photography mm-hmm. i actually studied a little bit of archaeology when i went to the middle east and i uh i related to that love of both but the um the really interesting thing i thought was the way donovan had reached out to brian scutmott uh early on in yeah. his career and the, just the whole idea uh, you know you you talk a lot about it in your book is the idea of mentors and um, you know, just not being afraid to let someone know how much you appreciate their work. Yeah, and you never know if you're going to form a long or lifelong relationship with that person. And, you know, knowing that you can reach out to people and they may not holler back, and that's fine. You, you, you'll survive. It's not a big deal. But so much to be gained by trying to build those relationships. And for Donovan, it seems like it was, you know, had a real impact. Um, right. That Brian has been in his life. By the way, I did not know this, which is sort of... I know. Yeah, I know. It's sort of amazing. Um, I guess I don't know every single thing about my artists. I, yes, I, I realized that I was How is it they crushed. keep these things from I know. you? God damn it. Man. I, I lost some innocence. Um, <laughs> um, How dare they have lives that you don't know about? I'm going to have to readjust my um, all the recording devices I've planted in their um, homes and studios. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when he said that after I got over my surprise... It, it just was so wonderful because, you know, Brian is such a lovely person, really smart and caring. And so mm-hmm. uh, what a great ally to have when you're really young and starting out. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, why don't we get to it? If you don't mind, Michael, please take it away. My pleasure. And here's your conversation with Donovan Smallwood. Donovan Smallwood, welcome to the podcast. It's awesome to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan. I've been listening since I've been in quarantine last year. So it's just right like an honor to be here. Oh, awesome. Well, that's so nice. Well, um, so much to get to, but let's do what we always do, which is just start out with, uh, you know, the guest's biographies so of just, just dive on in. So... I was born and raised in New York City, uh, specifically in Harlem. 
I moved to the east side of Harlem, where I live now, when I was maybe five years old. And I've gone to public school my whole life. And every school I've attended has been just like walking distance from my apartment. So growing up, I was pretty much isolated to East Harlem, Harlem, some parts of Brooklyn where family lived. It's funny because when I, a lot of people that I know aren't from New York City, and then they assume I've had like this, this like movie childhood, you know? And then I have to say, you know, like, no. you know every part of the five bars. Yeah, and it's just like, no, I literally was just in my like five block radius until late high school when I started like going places. So I didn't really explore and live like some fantasy kid life. But I started photographing, I think around the time of my middle school prom, but it wasn't really like anything serious because growing up, I always wanted to just be an archaeologist or a paleontologist. I have no idea why. I just, I collected fake dick sites. I collected National Geographic magazines. And I was always like, yeah, I'm going to be a paleontologist. I'm going to find dinosaurs. I'm going to, I don't know. <laughs> and then um, one year in high school, I took a photo class and I ended up really liking it. And the teacher would lie to me and say that the work was good. He's like, oh my God, this is so great. And he kind of convinced me. He was like, you know, there's like a inherent connection between archaeology and photography like this metaphoric connection like oh that that makes sense and like once he said that it felt like a teleological eureka moment or something I was like oh wow this is this is what I want to do this is it and I just like changed immediately and I started searching out like online photo communities and just adding photographers on Facebook and doing all that trying to get as much information as I can and I remember maybe 20 14? I, I don't know, maybe earlier than that. There was a short documentary series online called camerabag.tv, and it was just like immensely inspirational. It, was, it, fe it featured a lot of commercial music, fashion photographers, and it was like short day in a lifestyle videos. And I probably watched all of them like a dozen times. I don't know if it still exists or like the domain is gone, but I added some photographers from that series on Facebook and I messaged them saying, hey, I would love to meet you and get some advice. And one of them actually met with me downtown. His name is um, Jimmy Fontaine. And he gave me some advice about school and like, should I go to art school or how he, how he like pays his rent, how he does all this stuff. And it was just, okay, if he can do this and explain it to me, I can do this. And from there, I, I didn't go to art school. I went to Hunter College just to study documentary film in English. And, you know, I, I think, Sasha, you went to SUNY Purchase, right? Is that like... Yep, okay. I did, I did. Yeah, I got into there and I was thinking about going, but I was like, you know what? I, I, I'm so used to the city. I don't want to even deal with not being here. So I just the decided... 45 minutes was the 40, 45 minutes to Westchester yeah. was too much. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to do this. And <laughs> it, it, would, it wouldn't have cost a lot of money, but it was like some more money than Hunter. I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll save every single penny <laughs> and then I yeah. will not... Do it. And yeah, I studied documentary film because I was a big fan. I still am a fan of filmmakers like Chantel Ackerman and Fred Wiseman and just those like one off direct cinema, cinema verite type films. Mm -hmm. Just like the kind of stuff that requires like the least amount of creative collaboration <laughs> between mm -hmm. people. So yeah, this is, I would do this for sure. I love this. And I loved reading. So just. Harlan County, USA. Yeah. So like, good. I loved reading so much, so I was like, you know what? Studying English makes sense because I just can all I have to do is read and then write about it. That's easy. Okay. Yeah. 
And around this time in school, I was um, photographing friends and just different ideas, like miniseries, portraits of friends, models, some street photography around campus that just embarrassing to me now, <laughs> or random freelance jobs. And out of college, I worked for the city a little bit. I was teaching high school students and older, like elderly people, either video production or photography or computer literacy. There's like a at recreation centers, there's usually a like a computer room, and I was basically the counselor of that room for like a year. Mm-hmm. And I did some assisting, teacher assisting at ICP, and some sporadic photo assisting and digital tech work, which I still do occasionally. And uh, yeah, now we're here. You know, it's interesting to me that you studied filmmaking, documentary filmmaking, but that seems to have fallen by the wayside. Which it's it's not a thing that. You know, I just talked to a lot of photographers who are interested in making films, and you, you've yeah. gone the other way. Do you think you might, you know, get more involved with filmmaking at some point, or do you feel like it just you discovered it's not for you? Or um, it's not so much I discovered it wasn't for me. It was more like I I always knew the goal for me was just focusing on photography, and then interesting. the documentary yeah. and English were just like supplementary. It's kind. It was kind of like how people say, "Oh, I'm gonna." become an artist but my parents want me to go and do nursing school like that was my type of nursing school I was like yeah I'm gonna do this even though there's no job that's gonna come with it really so but I I could see myself working in that field of maybe doing some kind of documentary work that's filmmaking but it's not really a focus right now it's not something I'm looking toward you know yeah Hunter is such a good school by the way I mean I I get you would have been great at purchase (laughs) just have to say that but um because it's the school where you can like you know it just encourages sort of dabbling yeah and you know whatever you're interested in and that's what I did but of course Hunter's is such a fantastic school but it's really funny I just have to say I have to comment on what you were saying earlier about growing up here and because I have the exact same thing where people who move to New York know New York so much better than I do oh yeah because (laughs) (laughs) They, you move here and you want to learn everything. But when you grow up here, like I, I never went to the, I, I didn't go to the Empire State Building until I was like 30. Yeah, I literally only went because I remember in elementary school, it was like, okay, you can go to the Empire State Building or you can stay and finish your um, science pack. And I'm like, okay, I'll go to the oh, Empire State right. Building. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I got like a really big pencil and I was like, all right, this is cool, I guess. Yeah. But I love my friends who, like my friend Matthew Pillsbury, who grew up in in Paris, but he knows the city better than pretty much anyone I know. And, you know, he'll just be, tell tell me about some place that he biked to for, you know, samosas or tacos (laughs) or whatever. And I don't even know what he's talking about. I'm like, wait, where's that? You know, I grew up, you and I grew up really close to each other. But I went to school growing up in the West Village. And so the Upper West Side to the West Village was like, that was that was all I knew. And yeah. then um, Riverside Park and Central Park. And you and I have Central Park in common mm-hmm. as well. And so um, that's my segue to, to your project that uh, won you the Aperture Portfolio Prize. So I'm obviously really interested in hearing about how winning um, that prize you know what what that's done for you thus yeah. far if anything it's been it's very recent but mm-hmm. 
But tell people about this fantastic project. I mean, it won you the Aperture Portfolio Prize. It's also just sort of been featured a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So t- tell folks about it. Uh, so yeah, the press has been kind of, uh, I don't really know what the word is, but I just didn't amazing. really. Yeah, well, amazing, <laughs> but kind of unexpected, really. Like I just, yeah, it was just a project that I wanted to get done. And then maybe like, okay, maybe I'll get like a, a run of like a hundred copies and I'll try to sell them and pass them to photo editors and stuff. And maybe they'll like it, but then it's been way more than like, wow, this is really cool. I didn't really expect it, but yeah. Yeah. The project is called Langer. Uh, Aperture is going to be hosting the show opening the 21st, five to 8 PM. I don't know when it's coming out, but if it's coming out before that, then people can show up. The work itself is kind of like a, I would describe it as an interaction between landscape and portraiture. And it kind of serves as a examination of what I would consider nature and home and escape and just tranquility. For me, it's both like a like a love letter and a note of disillusionment all in one. But I guess more emphasis placed on the love of the place because, I don't know, we have to live in the dreams we build, I guess. So I don't want to be too negative with work. But yeah, it's kind of, it's more, it's more of a, a dream I had about a real place rather than a depiction of the place itself. Like it's, people ask a lot if it's mostly about Central Park, but it really isn't, if that makes sense. It's yeah. more about like just daily nothingness and how that can become poetic and just simple images that don't really exist within the tradition of photography that I've noticed regarding black people or just being in nature. What does it mean that the nature therein is nature in the middle of a urban environment i mean does that mean anything or yeah well i think it means something because i feel like when you think of so-called urban environments or just like like thinking about how communities of color don't really have these kind of spaces these like nature spaces and that being such a central part of what is manhattan like manhattan right in the middle is just this huge park and it's pretty divided like the most people that live at the bottom part of manhattan i would say are like more wealthy white and then the upper part harlem maybe not as much now is more like people of color black people and it's not like huge swaths of wealth you know and it, they're kind of sharing this the space in the middle is it another way in which it feels like a certain kind of segregation in the city that I mean, I've noticed that mm-hmm. I've I've you know been aware of that my entire life as someone who spent a ton of time in Central Park, and you know that as you said, the lower part of the park does tend to be whiter, mm-hmm. and then the upper part of the park, as you get into Harlem, is blacker. Yeah. And you know, I've I've certainly noticed that. Now I live sort of right at the, I live at the, the top third. Yeah, um, yeah. and so. Um, and I tend to hang hang out more in the northern part of the park, but mm. you know there there is definitely that sort of demarcation. I yeah. guess. Yeah. I don't know if there's a question there, but anyway. So, <laughs> how did this project come to be? Like, what's the what's the genesis? Now mm. that we sort of talked about what it is, what yeah. was the the genesis for the for the project, and what had you been doing? Before, I mean, I think one thing that people who listen to the podcast, you're a listener of the podcast, you probably can relate to this, is 
I think when people have a certain amount of success, whatever that means, I always say whatever that means after I use the word success, because obviously it <laughs> looks different to different people. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's to me so subjective, but when people have a certain amount of recognition or get a certain amount of recognition for a project, mm-hmm. you know, often the sort of ABCs of that project are really interesting to, to other people, you know, yeah. how did it come to be? And then how did it get out into the world? Why was it, you know, sort of, why has it gotten the recognition, etc.? So, you know, how did it unfold? Uh, so maybe the middle of 2019, I had an idea to work on a project in the park and photograph just like the nature that's kind of behind the gates, you know, and try to capture that. And I was going to name Any it. Any influences? Um, Sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah, for the, well, the influence has kind of changed. So when yeah, but I. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Right on us. Yeah. So when I first got the idea, which is 2019, the influence, I was like, okay, I want to, I was reading a lot of like American literature and I was like, you mm-hmm. know what? I'm going to like read really closely and like find a line of inspiration. And I was reading Moby Dick, and there's a line that goes, when darkness came on, I don't even remember the rest of the line. And I was like, I love that. Like, I love when darkness came on, and I'm going to try to work on something around that. And oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. And I was working, I was in the park, and I was making photographs and doing some stuff, and it just wasn't like clicking. Like I wasn't coming up with anything that would work for it. And then basically the pandemic happened, so I got to sit and think of like, okay, is there anything that I could do? Like, what, what can I do right now? And I started like taking pictures of fruits in my apartment. I'm like, yeah, this sucks. I hate this. What, am I, what can I do? And I just look, started looking at a lot of photo books and reading a lot. And then I think I came across, I think it was a little bit before the pandemic, maybe like a month before. But there's a short documentary that Vox did on Seneca Village. Mm-hmm. And I watched that and like, wow, this is incredible. Like, I can't believe this is another piece of the park history I don't know about. And I kind of yeah, like... really amazing. Yeah, and I kind of put it to the side of my mind and then I was looking at photo books and then once it felt a little bit safer to at least be outside, because I know everyone was just not going anywhere, getting food delivered. We weren't going outside at all. Yeah, so we were once terrified it, here in yeah. New York of leaving our apartments. Yeah. Yeah, so when when I felt a little bit safer to like start going outside and going places, I would just go to the park literally every single day and then I was like, Okay, maybe I can there's something I could do, like around everything that I'm thinking about around the, the pandemic, around all these feelings, around the Seneca Village doc, like everything comes together. And just let me just do. interject and say Seneca Village was a village. It was a African American community that was basically raised to create Central Park. Yeah, basically. Right? I think yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And so for inspiration, anyway, I was looking at a lot of John Gossage, uh, Dorothy mm-hmm. Lang, Judith mm-hmm. Joy Ross, Vanessa Winship. Oh, so such good influences. Yeah. And I was like, you know, okay, I'm going to go to the park and I'm going to just be and try to make something and try to meet people if possible. And that's basically what it all came out of. Oh, that's that's fantastic. It's amazing the way, you know, these I mean, I just think this is so interesting. Mm -hmm. Could talk about this forever, this sort of the building blocks and how how the building blocks 
come to be and then how they're added to, you know, the structure. So, you know, all these different, you know, little things from that line from Moby Dick that sticks with you and sounds like it doesn't quite get you there, but it's swirling around in your head. Yeah. Then you hear about Seneca Village and that's going around in your head. You're looking at certain photo books and obviously critiquing that work and I would assume getting both inspiration and also probably seeing, you know, stuff and thinking I don't want to do that. I mean, that's one of the yeah. great, <laughs> most important things about looking at work is you don't have, you know, is, is, you know, I always say, say to people, don't just focus on, I love that. It's also really important when you don't like something before you just throw it aside to really, you know, meditate on why you don't like it mm-hmm. too, because you learn just as, as much, but but yeah, these these building blocks, then the pandemic happens, which of course is just so bizarre. Still, when I say the pandemic, it's like, it sounds like I'm talking about some weird like 1970s movie. Yeah, I wish there was another way to talk. Like, what else could we say? <laughs> I know. It's like the towering inferno. I, I don't know if that reference means anything oh, to yeah. you. But <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's like, whenever I say the pandemic, that's what I feel is like one of those like the Poseidon adventure the towering inferno for anyone who doesn't know in the 70s there were these like really over-the-top disaster movies being made that had like the most cameos by famous people like all of a sudden Fred Astaire would just show up it was like in the (laughs) film it was like so bizarre they were but they're sort of great but anyway it's so sort of hysterical and I mean that both like the films sort of center on hysteria Oh, yeah. And they're yeah, sure. and they're hysterical because they're so ridiculous. Anyway, so this all comes together and you wind up doing this series. And what's really interesting, well, one of the many really interesting things to me about this series is that way more of it is is sort of built from the ground up mm-hmm. than it seems. So a lot of the pictures, or I don't know about a lot, but anyway, a certain amount of the portraits are of people who you met not in the park. Yeah. And yeah. then placed in the park and staged the pictures. And of course, there's no way of knowing. Um, <laughs> which is which. Which, right. The people you just came across and said, can I make your picture versus those people who you contacted and said, I'd like to meet you in the park and take your picture. And yeah. But it is really interesting that you chose to do that. I'm super curious. I, You and I talked for a while the other day, which I always do or usually do before I do an interview with someone I don't know, just to get to know them a little bit. But I didn't ask you about this because I wanted to save it, but mm-hmm. I'm so curious. So tell us about why did you do that as opposed to, I mean, obviously there were enough subjects in the park. Yeah. But there's some level of sort of, it seems to me like you're just determined to add this element of, I don't know, like I'm just going to, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Just I'm, I'm going to add this other element that I don't really need to do, but I'm going to do it. And I don't know. It's just so wacky and unexpected. So. Yeah. So um, I, earlier we just talked about how, like, for documentary, I love the cinema verite and like direct cinema yep. and anything that not not just mockumentary, but like anything where it's you you can be involved in what's happening, but if the audience doesn't know, then they just don't know. They just like there's a film I love and it's called, I think, 17. And it's basically mm-hmm. these two filmmakers are filming high school seniors. But if you didn't know how much they were interfering in like the discussion, like what the, t- the teenagers are talking about and 
what's going on, you would just think, oh, I guess this is just a wacky high school. Like, wow, this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I love the idea of whether it be something like this, where it's more like a, I don't know, like a art documentary blend where I can find exactly what I'm looking for. And I don't have to look in that specific place. Like it would, it would be great if everyone that's in the book or in the project was just someone that I just saw just in the park. But I knew like seeing people either online or just on the street somewhere else. I'm like, okay, you would, you would be perfect for like this one area. And that's what we're going to do. That's what I'm going to make happen. But as you said earlier, also that this is sort of came out of a, it's more of a dream. Mm -hmm. So I would assume for you, you know, on some level, it just made more sense for the sort of psychological integrity of it. Yeah. For you to be that sort of involved in the crafting and creation of it. Yeah. I feel like that's what so much of what art is, is just as the artist, you are, I wouldn't say like playing God, but you're like playing creator and you are making this scene and then bring it into the world. So that's what I wanted to do is focus on making this thing instead of waiting for it to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of discussions, right, are going, I mean, they've been going on for decades, um, but we're having them a lot more often now about mm-hmm. what that means, really, to the power of the photographer. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you ever think about that, but it it obviously can be quite fraught, mm-hmm. although it doesn't sound like in this situation that was the case, but um, less fraught when it's sort of, I guess, a demographic of people that you consider, you know, group you belong to, a yeah, location yeah. that is your home, um, you don't you feel like you're getting right, whatever that means, <laughs> but anyway, that there's inherently a sort of the right measure of uh, respect and, well, just representation. Yeah, yeah. So you do this series and... Do you feel good about it? I mean, first of all, do you consider it done? Is it done? Oh, yeah, it's done. Okay. Yeah, the plan was to do it, just work through it every day and be done by like a, not a specific time, but like a time frame. Okay, I'm not going to do anymore because I can just keep going. So I right. I know I have to set like a loose date to stop. Yeah. So you finish with it and then what happens? What do you do? What are you thinking you're going to do with it or... Yeah, what's the plan? Uh, so the plan is to try to either find a publisher that will be interested in working with me and sequencing it and making it into a small photo book. And yeah, that's about it. Like that was the main goal of the work was to be a small photo book that I could show to people or just have and give to find the people that are in the series and give it to them and just do that. And this is probably last fall. I assume. Yes. Or, yeah. Right. Like yeah. right at the end. So, so that's the plan. And then you, do you think I'm going to apply to the Aperture Portfolio Prize or does someone say to you, you should apply for this prize? Or? Um, I think I remember it like came up on Instagram or something and I, I knew mm-hmm. about the prize, of course. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And I asked um, some people for feedback on like, oh, which images do you think I should put in? And Everyone gave me a little bit of input and then... Wait, who's the everyone? You don't have to name names. Oh, no, I can name names. So um, I'm just like, who are they to you? (laughs) Like, who do you... 
Oh, okay, you yeah. Know, so who do you go to that makes the most sense in this situation? So I would go to some friends who aren't photographers and just get like what they think of the world. Like, what, what do uh, you think about this? And then I would go to some people who I really respect, who are photographers, like um, Brian Scoopmott and Matthew Gentempo. Wait, 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 hold on here. <laughs> I didn't know you knew those gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Well, Brian, I've known for probably 10 years now. Did I know that? Have I know- Did I know that and forget that? Wait. Okay, that's crazy. <laughs> and for all of those people out there don't know, I'm sure everyone does know at this point why I'm reacting this way. It's because, A, he's a good friend of mine, and B, I represent him. Um, <laughs> so, oh, I can tell you that it'll person. be a cool story I can tell you right now about Brian, where um, I e-met Brian maybe mid-2012, right? Because mm-hmm. that's when he was first online um, publishing work from mm-hmm. Gray's. And I just stumbled across it on, I don't know, like Tumblr or something. And I emailed him, said, hey, this, I'm like going to become a photographer. Like I know I'm going to become a photographer and this work is immensely I inspirational. Your, I love your confidence. So <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. I just emailed and said, this is immensely inspirational work and I, I love it. And just like, thank you for making this. Like, this is exactly what I need to see. And he emailed me back and we started talking. We've kept like a friendly relationship since then. And it's been. Oh, that's great. Yeah. He's such a good guy. Yeah. We love you, Brian. (laughs) Listen, I I think it's so valuable what you're saying as far as just you wanted to talk to Brian, so you reached out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's so important. What's the worst thing that can happen? The person doesn't respond. Who cares? A lot of people haven't responded, and I just don't even even remember. Like, I don't think about it. (laughs) Yeah, and who cares? Who cares? So that's so great. So you've had this relationship with Brian, so you asked him his advice. That's great. Um, And Matthew, who's also brilliant and so sorry so continue on i had to just uh, take us down that path yeah and they basically oh yeah these are great maybe add this one take this one out like, all right cool and i submitted it and within a few months i got the news that i wanted i was like wow this is i did not expect this at all what happens when you win i should know since i represent two artists that have won brian and danielle bowman but to, who calls you is it the head um, of, was it like Chris Boot at the time or? No, you get an email from like the base Aperture email. And I think, uh-huh. I think either the first email was from Brendan or uh-huh. Emily Stewart. I can't remember, but went through them and they would tell me like, oh, don't tell anyone. Right. And then. Haven't announced it yet. Yeah. And yeah, that's basically how it goes. And what do you think when you find out that you've won? I mean, are are you jumping up and down? Are you losing your mind? Or are you chill about it? Or are you um, thinking, are you shocked? Are you not shocked? I'm shocked. And I am breaking the rules and telling friends that I know won't tell anyone and family. <laughs> and yeah, and then... Oh, um, I I don't know. I just go back to what I was doing. I didn't really celebrate or anything i just like okay i won this thing it's a really big deal but i still want to finish some other work and i want to do this i didn't i just didn't want to go to my head yeah well that's good yeah but the work has just sort of backtracking a bit has Mm -hmm. gotten a lot of attention and so i would assume that it's sort of changed 
your life in some ways. I mean, obviously, these things don't come with cash windfalls. So you didn't, you, know, you haven't bought a mansion. But, yeah. um, but, you know, what are the tangible ways or even intangible, like just how it makes you feel to all of a sudden, you know, start seeing your work published in magazines and yeah. a, lot, a lot of great online pieces, et cetera? Uh, it just feels like I'm I'm doing something right, you know. Like I'm yeah. I'm on the right path to what I want to be doing and the work I want to complete, and things are getting done. I think in a correct manner, like things are going well. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, I get an email for like a new magazine or new newspaper that wants to feature. I'm like, oh, okay, this is amazing. People like this. This is going great. And yeah, that's pretty much how I think about it. And so I know you're working on. Um, at least one new project because mm-hmm. you shared it with me, which I really appreciated. It's not on your website yet. Um, I really love it, and I actually think there's some really interesting. It seems like a departure from Langer. I don't know if it's a departure from other work you've done as much, but yeah. what can you tell us about the the new new work that you, you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah. So. The next project I'm working on, which who knows when it'll be done. Like, I have no timeline at all. Unlike Langer, like, I don't know. But it's called um, BB, and it's going to be focused on my family history off the coast of North Carolina. And it's going to be, uh, well, let me go into, like, the history of a bit. So the paternal side of my family has lived in a small town called Washington, North Carolina, since since the family history began, like, and, like, everyone's lived there, like, my grandmother still lives there, my cousins still live there, my aunts, uncles still live there, everyone still lives there, and then I have, um, records and history of, like, my first known ancestor was in the same place, uh, choir lead, church front, just living in Washington, so the project is going to be just me exploring the land, exploring family, and the ports, which is basically this beginning of the family history in this town. And how far into the project are you? Do you think any sense of that? Uh, no sense of it at all. Like I, yeah, I go back to North Carolina maybe three, four times a year. So every time I go, I'm working on it, and I'm not working on it, making photographs. I'm talking to people and learning more and exploring, walking around, meeting new people. So. I'm, I would say probably like 10%, if anything, I don't know. Yeah, you have a lot of, there are a lot of really great photographs. Thank you. We didn't cover this, and I don't like to get too into it because it's not a gear show, but what do you, what camera do you use? How are you, how are you shooting and how are you printing? I do think for your work, it's actually pretty important. Yeah, so interestingly enough, for Langer anyway, there was not a 50-50 split, but a decent split where all the portraits are shot on medium format film and not all, but I would say maybe 60, 65% of landscapes are shot on digital. And I don't think... And why is that? Because for the landscape images, it, it was kind of way different how I would work on the two. So for the landscape images, a lot of them are long exposures Mm -hmm. and I would usually to make them I would usually have a really deep or like really high stop indie filter and I would set the scene I would set the camera up and 
hit the shutter and just sit there for 10 plus minutes Mm -hmm. and I would want to just look it over like I didn't want to mess up I didn't that was one part where I was like okay I want to make sure I got this the way I want it to be Mm -hmm. and I think for portraits and film I didn't want to waste people's time and Mm -hmm. I knew if I was working with digital I would have the tendency to probably waste them a little bit of time just like okay well you didn't can you turn this way or can you look at me over here? Right. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So for shooting film, I think I'm emotionally a little bit more open. I don't overthink. I just go with what they're giving me. And I get to photograph before my brain gets to analyze and really understand right. what's going on. It's more like a gut feeling. But for the landscapes, I wanted to I want to know. Like, I need to know what this is, if that makes sense. And, yeah, it does. I mean, it's definitely unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, you know, I think it's important to love the process and and i think the artists that i know that really put together a process that they really love Mm -hmm. i think are the most settled and the most at peace yeah of the artists that i know now i think for a lot of people they just they're not going to have that luxury for various reasons. Mm. But I do think that for the folks who have figured out the way they work and the things they're interested in, that can work for them. Yeah. Um, where they can be very process oriented. I know that it's, you know, really joyful. So I actually think it's, it's great. This particular combination is, is pretty interesting though. So how do you, what's the, final what is the final print for a lot of the work the plan see right now i have been for most of it at least if it's the film stuff it's just been scanned and then just like inkjet print Mm -hmm. but i plan to do some darkroom printing the problem with that is the work has kind of picked up faster than printing has opened and what i would do is I would go to ICP and I have teacher assisting hours, which means that I could use their darkroom for free. But the darkroom isn't open yet, I don't think. Right. Because of COVID and all that. So I'm waiting for that to open and then I'm going to work on that a bit and work on the prints. But yeah, the work has picked up faster than I could actually get to it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's um, probably makes the most sense to keep the body of work you know, with one set of prints anyway, just yeah. a little bit of... Um, I'm probably going to make like some s- special edition silver gelatin prints or something. We'll see. Yeah, nice. So what's the different process for BB, for the new body of work? How are you How are you doing that? So far for this one, I... Just being in the South, really, it's just... I can be a lot slower and I don't have to... I don't really care to see the images right away and to be so quick with it like I was for this project. Mm -hmm. So this one has been all film and it's just been me Mm -hmm. either driving around or just hanging out with family and then I'll be like, hey, let's get a portrait here or I want to photograph this area at this time of day and I could just set up a tripod and work on it slowly. It doesn't have, nothing's rushed. Nothing is like, I need to see this now. Everything is just shoot the film, um, when I get back home, process it in dark room and see what I got. Mm-hmm. It feels more personal to me, so mm-hmm. it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot in Langer that feels very, you know, deeply personal as well. It doesn't. It's not like they're night and day. There's obviously a ton of overlap. Um, yeah. Be, 
between the projects stylistically? They're separate projects, but they're all part of the one project, which is like the work that I'm making. Even though they're they're separate, I, in my head, it's all one thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. But why don't you say what that is? I'm not too sure. I just feel like a lot of the work that I'm making now is intrinsically linked and the content flows together and inform one another. And mm-hmm. even though the styles may differ a bit, I feel like they're just, they flow one into each other. And yeah. what they're saying is related in some way. They're both very sort of obviously about, I don't know about about, but they mm-hmm. feature black Americans at leisure mm-hmm. in nature in a sort of languorous <laughs> <laughs> sort of vibe. Yeah. I th- it feels like right now with BB that there's more larger landscape sort of almost establishing yeah I think shots. I think with Langer it was more an attempt to like create a world through the ruins of the past in a way like mm-hmm. going looking through the lens of Seneca Village it's more I'm trying to build up something mm-hmm. and this one I'm just trying to show something I'm not really trying to build right yes yeah I totally get that one other thing, just going back for a minute that I wanted to ask about is one thing that I, I just was really curious about how you, f- you feel about this is I noticed that in all these online pieces about Langer that mm. I saw, there every there's a different, I mean, this is always the case, but I, I felt it was particularly noticeable Yeah. with your work is that all the different edits, mm-hmm. um, the different pictures that people are using in the pieces... Do you have any say in that or do um, you see it when it comes out and think, why did they choose those pictures? No, I, I think it's interesting that certain images stand out more for other people. And usually there's like a portrait or two that everyone picks. Right. But then I, there's, totally, without a doubt. Yeah. But then like some of the more landscape images, there's just, uh, they vary in what people pick. I think it's interesting. I, I yeah. just, I give people like the whole package and then you just pick what you're interested in and i think most of the articles or interviews they pick different ones i'm like wow okay oh no all of them did because (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i told you before that i don't really i don't read any of them i'll like scroll through and skim and like look but i don't i don't want to read it (laughs) yeah oh they're no they're good but no i just it's just really just it was so noticeable to Mm -hmm. me i just was curious you know how you felt about it but yeah, there's definitely overlap with a handful of portraits, but then then everyone's sort of in their own space doing yeah. their own edit. Um, I mean, that, that, of course, is something that artists have to be comfortable with, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Because whether you're working with a, a gallerist, an art gallery, or a curator, or a book publisher, um, you may lose, you know, that control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure. Well, I think it's... a sort of nice place to stop it's been really super talking with you and you know i know you're gonna do great things thank Um, you you already are and uh i think we've agreed already to hang out soon because um we live close anyway come on (laughs) we're so close it's (laughs) yeah and oh i did i did want to tell you that like i said last year beginning of pandemic I was listening to the podcast and I did, I bought photo work and I know before I was photographing, I've read the whole book and I was, I 
like bookmarked the photographers I liked what they said and it informed the work. So. Oh, that's so great. Oh, thank you for telling me that. That's so nice to hear. Yeah, I, I really, you know, it's obviously incredibly meaningful to me when, when I know that someone's really using the book. I, I have some really great folks who more people have been in the book coming up on the podcast. And Michael mm-hmm. told me to stop saying who's coming up because <laughs> then if it doesn't work out for one reason or another, oh, yeah. and it's true that it doesn't because people go off on assignment and, you know, that's usually when things fall through as someone's schedule just totally changes and whatever. Yeah, but yeah. I do have very exciting people coming up. And, okay. I'm looking forward um, to it. Anyway, well, thank you so much. And everyone get to know Donovan's work. And um, and thank you really for sharing sort of what was in your head. And, and you know, and I think the really valuable lesson of just having the chutzpah to um, write to people you don't know yeah. and just throw spaghetti at the wall. and <laughs> See what um, happens. Yeah, see what happens. And just, you know, know that, you know, no one's no one's getting emails from someone like you and thinking, why is this person writing me? People, you just, we know. I mean, I, I get this all the time. And, you know, you either respond or you don't respond. But it's it's absolutely the right thing to do. And yeah, I feel you like know, if someone's work touches you, you should let them know. Absolutely. Sure. Yep. Without a doubt. All right. So be well. And I will uh, see you soon for a coffee. Yes, for sure. Thank you. Okay. All right, Donovan. Take care. Photo Work with Sasha Wolf is produced by me, Michael Chauvin Dalton of Real Photo Show. The executive producer is Sasha Wolf, and our theme music is by Jay Walter Hawks. You can hear Photo Work on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts.